97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. We are brought to you in part by Bill Bar. Whether it's double chocolate, peanut butter brownie, cherry barcia, or salted caramel, enjoy Bill Bar. 100% real chocolate, 100% real delicious. Order yours today at built.com and save 10% off your order using promo code ZONE at checkout. That's Built Bar. Time to welcome in Tim Lacombe. Worked for Rick Majerus at the U. Worked for Dave Rose at the Y. Now you hear him on jazz radio pregame, halftime, and postgame shows. Tim, good morning. Good morning, man. It's been a minute. It has been a minute. Happy 2022 to you. Hey, just right back at you, man. Right back at you and your cohort. He's going to remain quiet. Well, I'm not. Okay. I didn't know I was he, supposed to he speak. He always makes me guess if he's really there. Of course <laughs> I'm really there. Where else would I be? I didn't know it was my turn to speak. I thought you might be at like an exotic location playing golf. Nice. No, I'm right here. So, it's a happy 2022 until you see your team give up 78 points in the second half. What does Quinn Snyder say? How does he react? Put yourself in his shoes. You know, it's man, I'm telling you, it's a really difficult one. Um, and I think the qualifying statement you make is the defense is built around Rudy Gobert. We've known that forever, but I, I think it's pretty blatantly obvious now that um, he really does hold just about everything together on the defensive side. Um, You know, we went into a big, in fact, I went somewhere last night prior to the game. I was invited into David Locke's laboratory. Uh, I don't know if you guys knew he had a lab, but he has a lab, has Bunsen burners and fax machines whirling and um, you know, all sorts of crazy stuff. But David was driving down the canyon, and he had a thought, so he you know, called me, and I was just the conduit to kind of look up stats. But this Detroit team, if you if you take this Detroit team and you, you put them against the rest of the league, they are 10 points below league average in points per possession. Um, and to find anything similar, you have to go back to when Charlotte was the Bobcats and um, when New Jersey, the Nets were still playing there in, in the Garden State instead of Brooklyn. Um, you know, you have to go back a long way to find a team that has been as bad offensively as this Detroit Pistons team. And going into the game last night without Jeremy Grant, you'd think no matter what the Jazz do, they'll figure out a way to get this team stopped. And um, I, I think, obviously, really, really big issues um, kind of stemmed, and they they lost the game. I didn't think they were capable of losing, to be honest with you. So you think it's a midseason lull, or it is an issue that it needs to be taken more seriously? I think there's all sorts of factors at play. Again, I mean, you know, the way that the DJ just carried this show, if it were just, you know, you take him out of it and it's DJ and PK, but PK's the only one that shows up every day, you're going to suffer. Yeah, we have from time to time. <laughs> um, no, I mean, honestly, though, it's the way the defense is built and the way that, you know, guys – 
as Marcus Morris said elo- eloquently earlier in the year, funnel everything to Gobert. I think I think what came to my mind as this was going on is man, Marcus Morris was dead right. Your turn. Tim Lacombe joining us right here. I am curious if you believe that the Jazz are championship contenders or if you've seen the Warriors and the Suns and the Jazz are just going to do the best they can here, but those two teams are, they've pulled away. Well, I would have, a couple of weeks ago, I would have thought, you know, I would have answered that affirmatively yes, but I mean, even Donovan last night in the postgame talked about, you know, the Jazz are kidding themselves if they want to put themselves in. You know, you don't just proclaim yourself a title contender. I mean, you, you do that on the floor. Um, I watched the Warriors the other night with Clay back, and, um, you know, he's, he's certainly got a little ways to go shape-wise. But, like, those guys play – those guys play on the defensive end as though they really do want to win a championship. Um and then, you know, the Suns have have had a, another really good year. I, I'm going to say the Jazz are capable of being in the equation, but their play as of late, and again, I understand they've had, like the rest of the league, they've had a ton of, of guys out um, and injuries. And then, like you said, PK, there's, there is something to the midseason lull. I think there's every year you could go pick four or five games and just kind of shrug your shoulders. Uh, so this is one of them. Not not an overreaction, but just in terms of the team mindset on defense, it's just got to change. I mean, guys have to do more. And Donovan talked about it last night. Guys, one through seventeen. Um, you know, this isn't a we problem right now. This becomes an I problem. What can I do to help fix this? And um, and you know, that's where we are. Do you think this lull or slump, whatever you want to say it is? is going to hasten the urgency to make a move? Um, my guess would be yes. Um, there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of guys capable of making a basket on this team, which is awesome. There's a lot of guys, you know, more so than ever, guys that can can make a play for another guy, and that's really important. In fact, if you go watch that, rewatch that game, and, and David sent me a whole big long list of stats last night after rewatching it. Um, but you know, there were, in relation to whether the way the Jazz play, there were, you know, crazy number of one and two and zero pass possessions coming down the stretch in the fourth quarter, where a guy just made his mind up: I'm going to drive it, and I'm either going to score it, or I'm going to get fouled. And unfortunately, a lot of those ended up in turnovers. Um, it's just not jazz basketball. And and so, yeah, I mean, my thought looking on the outside looking in, I think you've got some pieces that um, kind of replicate themselves and perhaps you might want to diversify, you know, a couple of spots on your team and, and try to shore up the defensive side a little more. They have played a lot of guys we haven't seen much of. Do you think any of them... Have you spotted any of them and said, this guy's an NBA guy, he can help the Jazz, maybe he can help somebody else? Eric Paschal. I mean, I, Eric's got to get in better shape. But I really like him. Uh, I think he plays the right way. I think he plays hard. You know, he just came um, He came to the game last night and brought energy. I think he's a guy that can guard the ball and guard perimeter. 
Um, you know, I was really disappointed in Royce O'Neal's defense last night. I know we give him a ton of credit a lot, but he, he was not very good defensively last night. And, you know, if he's not going to be out there really being great defensively and only taking two or three shots, you know, what's why, why 35 minutes? And so I would say that, yeah, I think there may be some opportunity to utilize some of the stuff you've got. And I, I really do like Pascal. I, I think he's uh, – I think he's a winner. And then I've really liked seeing what I've seen of Daniel House. Uh, I know he didn't have the best game against Indiana, but again, last night came into the game and did some good things. He's a guy who you definitely jumps off the film that he can guard the ball and he keeps guys in front of him. And um, he's got some good length to him, you know, but that's a guy that's intriguing to me because they got him, you know, the way they, they are able to acquire him. I think there's a place on the team for a guy who can, who can get down in a stance and keep people in front. Yeah, but when everybody's healthy, whose minutes do these guys take? I'm not worried about them. I'm worried about the guys that are in the rotation because they're going to determine the success of this team in the playoffs. Yeah, and I guess that's the that's the big question. Um, you know, I think, again, the Jazz have been league, almost, you know, league history leading offensively. Um, but, you know, you remember the years where the Jazz were, were crazy the other way, where they were really, really positioned around defense and, and struggled on the offensive side to shoot it. Um, so it's almost as though the pendulum swung completely the other way, and it just, just needs to have a couple of guys who are willing to um, give a little bit more on the defensive end. My, I, you know, the beautiful part is in my job now, I can just talk about concepts and ideas necessarily have to actually make the hard decisions um but if you watch the film and and you really are looking for opportunities i I think they're there you know i think there's an opportunity to play uh, a guy like pascal in a situation where there's you know where the ball's not moving where uh guys aren't really guarding their their yard you know and, and that's up to quinn you know i don't know who i don't know who and how and when and and again, right now, everything's all kind of discombobulated, too, with so many guys out and really the the cornerstone of your team defensively. And I would almost say, you know, leads to he, – he really does give guys advantage with his screens, whether they be off ball, you know, and they can curl into the paint with an advantage or in a ball screen. And nobody sets a better ball screen than Gobert. Uh, really clears the way for guys to get downhill, and then that's where the blender can start. So, I mean, they miss him a ton right now. There's no question about it. So we can talk stats and X's and O's, but how much of this is just grit and determination and New Jersey toughness? And I'll use Hassan Whiteside as an example because I thought it was so obvious, but I don't think it's limited to him. I think it's up and down the roster. But in the game in Detroit, he gets his shot blocked twice right out of the gate. He starts 0 for 2, and he's getting a shot blocked by a guy who's I don't know, four or five inches shorter. It just shouldn't be happening. And then he inbounds the ball and doesn't see an opposing player and basically throws it right to him. And the guy hesitates for a second and then looks at Hassan, kind of sizes him up and decides, I'm going to dunk on you. And he dunks on him, and Hassan doesn't even get off the floor. So at this point, you might as well have me in the game because I can get my shot blocked and I can get dunked on. But something snaps, Hassan flexes for a second, and he spends the next quarter and a half 
beating up all the undersized guys they throw at him. He's blocking shots. He's dunking on alley-oops. They're giving the ball on the floor, and he's dunking. He's doing exactly what they got him for. It doesn't bear any resemblance at all to the first three or four minutes. And I think he's just going to run roughshod over these guys all night long, but then the second half he just kind of disappears. I didn't think it was really good or really bad. He just got caught up in the flow of the game and was going against the Jazz. Isn't that just mental focus and determination? Yeah, I mean, in part, partly there, too, in rewatching it last night, you know, the, very, the, the Pistons changed the way they guarded and switched everything. So Kryptonite rears its head once again. That's why the roles and stuff weren't open. And Sun got so many things early on um, by virtue of, yes, being locked in after a tough start, uh, but then just really was the beneficiary of good ball movement, you know, as guys played on an advantage. The issue when teams switch is they, they Jazz really struggle to create an advantage. Um, it's almost as if the, the switching in the Jazz mind just says, okay, we're going to stop trying to move it and we're going to drive it ourselves and we're going to try to beat this thing. And, you know, I've seen it time and time again, and I know that's obviously not the way they're coached. They're coached to play off the pass. And so it's it's just an instinct, I think, when teams start to switch that guys feel like they got to fix it. And the result is no ball movement, you know, less advantage, tougher shots, and an easier way for a team to make a run on you. Since they have this losing streak now after coming off a pretty good streak, you don't want it to extend, obviously. So how big do you view these next few games? Well, they're in for a fight. And tomorrow night, It's uh, the Cavs are they're one of my favorite teams in the league to watch. They've got length galore. They, they play three seven-footers on the, on the floor. Um, and, and then they've got, in my mind, one of the, the best up-and-coming guards in Darius Garland. But their style of play, they come at you hard, man. They're, they're hard hat wearing guys. They have the ability to play above the rim. And they definitely get up in you on, on the defensive side. So, you know, there isn't time to feel bad for yourself. I think these games are really important. Again, the Jazz are, you know, their entire. There's a. And that they're playing, you know, at half strength. Um, but again, much the didn't have Jeremy Green last night, who's lead, their leading scorer and and by far best player. So you, you Quinn uses the term you've got to you've got to adapt to situation you're in, and that's really what the Jazz have to do. Um, will it make or break their season if they go on and lose a couple more with Rudy out? No, um, we've all seen that. You know, last year the Jazz finished number one record in the West and, and did not get where they wanted to go. So the most important basketball is played between April and June. The lessons learned through a season, and I'm going to repeat this, lessons learned through a season and the journey of a season really define how you're going to play in those months. And the highs don't always equate, you know, the fact you're going to play terrific and the lows don't always equate to the fact you're not. Um but it's lessons learned along the way, and hopefully there's a lesson learned you know, on focus and resolve and the ability to adapt that came out of this road trip. Have you ever seen, do you remember anyone doing what Clay Thompson is doing, being away from the game for two and a half years and then trying to come back at a high level? 
How long was Jordan gone? A year and a half. I mean, that's what it reminded me of, right? Like watching all the fanfare prior to him coming out on the court. And, you know, just that whole excitement. And I know Clay's not the level of, of Michael, but um, pretty close. You know, he's a guy who won championships and people around the, the world know his name. Um, it's pretty amazing. And, you know, I, I think the game's really important to him. Winning's really important to him, and it's killed him to have to sit and watch. But, you know, to the Warriors' credit, we talk about adapting. You know, there would be a lot of reasons, particularly this year, too, you know, without him back to maybe start the season uh, and not be at your best. But they they went out and acquired a bunch of guys who really want to get down in the trenches and guard. Um, they have the best in defense in the, in the league. And it's really Steph Curry, Draymond Green, and a bunch of um, two-way guys. I mean, or, or guys like Wiggins, who's kind of you know re- resurrected his career there. Um, but I, you know, I haven't seen I haven't seen really much of it since Jordan. You know, when Jordan came back after trying to hit the curveball, um, and I'm excited for Clay. You know, he he looked like he. There's only one way to play yourself into game shape. And that's to play. You know, you can't can't simulate that so i know that it, that'll be the kind of the grueling part for him but i mean he dunked in the game and made three threes um and you know his team won against a good Cavs team that the jazz are going to see tim we appreciate the time don't be a stranger we'll talk to you again soon all you got to do is call Tim Lacombe, jazz radio studio analyst join us right here on 97.5 at 1280 the zone tim brando on the end of the college football season, looking ahead to next year. He will join us coming up at the top of the hour right here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. This is Hanson Scotty. Let's do it. David Locke. Our defensive issues are real. Like, I'm not going to sugarcoat that, right? Like, we've got to figure some things out defensively. Go look at us against the home court teams and what our defensive ratings have been this year. It's not good. We're not good if Rudy's not bailing everyone out. We're not good when Rudy's off the floor. we got to figure this out. Like, I don't know how we're figuring it out, but if you want one issue to look at, it's going to be the separator of whether or not this team wins the championship or not. That's going to be it. What kind of a show is this? Catch Hans Olsen and Scotty G every day from noon to 3 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Powered by kslsports.com. DJ PK in the morning proudly presented by Mark Miller Subaru. Question of the day, part three. We've been talking jazz. We've been talking, talking Jackson Dark transferring. But the college football playoff committee meeting again, can't agree on expansion again. How stupid is the CFP committee? And if they couldn't agree on expansion for the college football playoff. It's a joke. Ridiculous. Corey says, very. Scott says, they must be getting paid for every meeting they do. Well, they get per diem. So you have steak and eggs. Steak sandwich and steak dinner. Cholesterol numbers climbing dramatically. You hit the gym. Laverle Tracy, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. There are already two SEC teams in the championship game. Why do they need to expand the playoffs? He's figuring four SEC teams in the semifinals. I would say probably six in the semis. Not possible, but thank you. 
You never know. Rob contradicts himself. No way two teams from the same league should be in the playoffs. They should do an NCAA tournament model, take the winner of each league, and do a tourney. Well, in the NCAA tournament model, there are multiple teams from leagues in there, and we've seen multiple teams in the Elite Eight and Final Four from the same league. Yeah, but it's not the singular same league. You see what I'm saying? Like, for instance, college basketball, the Pac-12, they've got three teams in the top five right now. Yep. And last year, they had a bunch of teams getting to the Sweet 16. So it's not just the one conference. So One, I, year, I, it's, one year it's the ACC. That's one apples year it's the and kumquats. Apples and kumquats. It is. Have you, ever, have you ever eaten kumquats? With apples, yeah. You dip the apple in a little peanut butter, and then you have the kumquat. Steve says expansion just further diminishes the importance of the regular season. The damage has already been done. Actually, it heightens the interest in the regular season because then you don't have to play Chico State in the non-conference, in your non-con. You can have these titanic matchups. That's what what college basketball does. You know, the <clears throat> when they first unveiled the dramatic college football Whole, they do it between games of some four-team powerhouse tradition programs on ESPN. It's all a marketing tool. It's all entertainment, man. It's a, the sooner people realize sports is entertainment, the better off they'll be in their mindset. As opposed to the most important thing in life. <laughs> yeah, just go nuts on it and just, just sort of roll with it and realizing it is entertainment and it'll always be entertainment. And... So let's make it more entertaining. I disagree with all those. Utah, they can play off next year, right? Well, four team and two teams are going to be taken up by the SEC. So you really, it's like the old BCS. You're trying to get it in a two team playoff. And then if you expanded it, you could have the excitement and the anticipation going in down the stretch into the season. I don't think it diminishes the regular season. I think it increases the intensity. because, And then, if you stumble like Utah did this year, you know, they made the wrong choice. They didn't listen to me. You told me I should have told Kyle. I was right. It's still under your skin. I know it bugs you that I was right, that I said Rising should have been the guy. You hate it when I'm right. You're so jealous. But I just roll with it because I'm humble. And Utah loses early. But they're playing great ball at the end. And it would have been nice to see them get in. And if they win the Pac-12, they get in. Think about how more exciting that would be in the first Friday in Vegas, knowing you're going to go in. We see it all the time in, in college basketball, the, the MEAC conference or whomever. You know, they win that game. Everybody floods the uh, court, who's ever there. We're in. Right. Because you got to go. It would be the same type of thing. You're going to the playoff. That'd be way cool. Jonathan says, if there were 16 teams in the playoff, you know who'd be in the championship game? Georgia and Alabama. The expanded playoff would be fun, but it is not necessary. I agree with that. <laughs> it would be fun. 
Necessary, I guess, is uh, in the short run to determine a champion, it is not necessary. The question is, in the long run, will conferences and regions of the country who think that they have no chance to get to the playoff, will it lessen interest in college Then why football? have an NBA playoff? We pretty much know who's going to be there. Yes. So why if do that? Were, if it were eight instead of 16, what would be lost? The first, well, then reduce the that, first then. round and a lot of money. That's what would be lost. That's why they play the thing in the first place. There it is. It's not necessary. You know, my brother-in-law, the soccer coach, he did the uh, public address announcing for Cactus High School. And I used to go help him spot. Uh-huh. And they were talking about uh, a raffle or something. And he meant to say, you need not be pre- not necessary to be present to win. And he said, you need not be necessary to win. <laughs> <laughs> People in the turning around looking at him. <laughs> I thought, great, I got a shot to win. In some ways, he's not wrong. <laughs> I'm not necessary. I might, I might get this. <laughs> you, have to, you have to have done public address at high school or college games or have done the radio where they can literally hear you because you're behind a table in the top row of the bleachers. And people turn around and give you a look. Man, that's that's humbling. <laughs> Especially in high school, you know, when you're right there. Oh, oh yeah. They're right below right. you. Right. And I'm, yeah. I'm thinking back to UC Santa Barbara baseball, which now has a press box. But then yeah. it was the same thing. There's like 12 rows of bleachers and there was a table on the top row. So whoever sitting in the sixth row could hear you loud and clear. Yeah, they had a little press box. Uh, and but I still recall all the people looking back up. You need not be necessary to win. <laughs> <laughs> and that stadium, that high school stadium, is named after him. Oh, nice! That's where they play the soccer games too. It's named after two people: one for football, one for soccer. And and his name is on that on that press box on the uh, on the outside of it. So I understand that. That's the way it is with the SEC. But to me, unless we make a change, it's only going to make it worse, not better. At least I got a chance. You know, the Peru so you're saying you got a chance, right? It's probably not going to matter. But this way, you have no chance. When you want at least one a, a chance to see where you're at, and then too, you I, hear a, a lot of uh, there, there's this running back. Uh, went to ASU, Trianum, right? And he played there these two years. Well, he left, and he, and he, he was all that coming out of high school in Ohio. And so he comes out to the desert, and he played the last two years, and he was okay. He had fumbling issues. Well, he's going to transfer. And he's going to transfer and play linebacker on Ohio State. And his big thing is, I want to play for championships. So my point is if the Pac-12 gets in, well, maybe you start keeping some of these guys home. The kid who made the big interception probably didn't need it, but he did make the interception to seal the win, went to Scottsdale Saguaro. And he goes to Georgia. Out of Arizona. Yeah. His coach went to ASU. The coach's father coached at ASU. The defensive coordinator was a guy named Caldwell who had a was all Pac-10 defensive first team as a linebacker. His, I think his two or three brothers played there. And it's 
it can't be more than five miles away from the campus, but he goes to Georgia. And he's making an interception in the big game and all that, so you can't knock him for going. But maybe if the Pac-12 had an automatic bid, he might still keep in some of these kids here. And even if he weren't at ASU, well, he might be I'm not at saying there. USC or UCLA, yeah. Oregon or Washington. Well, no, I'm not saying just... Maybe at Utah. Maybe so. Who knows? Well, yeah, they have a rep there. If you st- fact is, if you start a DB at Utah for three years, you're, you're probably an NFL. NFL guy. Yeah. Yeah. If you start, it's just the way, it, you know, the history shows that if you're really good at that position for the Utes, you're you know, not so much receiver, but uh, certain positions, they funnel guys in the NFL all the time. So, yeah, I, from the, Klyavkov doesn't care where you go in the conference as long as you go in the conference. And maybe that could help. So maybe that would actually change it. I don't, I don't understand the mindset, well, it's not going to make any difference. If you don't change it, it's not going to make any difference. The only chance you have to make a difference is by changing it. Unintended consequences. You're going to be ranked 9 through 12. You're Instead of going to the Rose Bowl, you're going to the playoff, but you're going on the road. That Utah-Ohio State game could have been in Columbus instead of in Pasadena. What's the difference? They lost anyway. <laughs> right, but it was a great experience. It's Pasadena. It's oh, New Anthony Year's Day. Brown went and beat the Ohio State in Columbus. If Anthony Brown can do it, Cam Rising can do it. Yeah, since you always assign quarterbacks a record as if they're pitchers. So yeah, they'll have to figure that out. How that'll work? I don't necessarily know that that's how it will work. You decided that's how it will work. Maybe it will. I don't know. It's just off what I've read. I got no inside knowledge, but it seems like they're looking at first round on campus and then the quarterfinals in bowl games. Okay, so you got an opportunity to win that one and go to the Rose Bowl. Win that one then, if that's such a big deal. And th- those things are changing, man. You got to get with the times in that way. What are you going to do? You know, you're not going to have a perfect system where everything is going to remain the same as it always was. If you want it the same as it always was, then go back to it. And then have the AP and the UPI vote. (laughs) Ship off your votes on the night of the first or what have you. uh, If that's what you want. But you're going to have some. Do you think they realized, hey, wait a second... Sending Jackie Robinson to Brooklyn Dodgers is actually going to make our league fold. See where I'm going? Oh, yeah. I don't know what they said back there. I don't right. ever hear that discussed or written about. The reality is it was such a monumental thing, but it made this other league go away. Mm-hmm. You know, so for those guys who were fringe guys in the Negro Leagues, all of a sudden now they don't got a place to play anymore. Uh, so that's progress sometimes comes to the expense of somebody. Yeah. Somebody suffers for the greater good. Right. Whoever owned a team didn't get to own a team. Whatever happened to the yeah, players. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I'm saying. Whoever owned a team. And, and we know whoever got to manage teams didn't get to manage teams for years. Frank Robinson. What was it, in the 70s? 25 70s? years. Yeah, 25 to 30 yeah. years later. Right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. So. Exactly. I'm sure there was... Uh, Negro League managers who were very good managers right. and could have managed but weren't given the chance. 
Uh, so yeah, that I mean that's a, just an example that came off the top of my head uh, in in the name of progress. So I don't have a perfect answer for that. That'll be determined. I think they would incorporate them in some way. So, somehow you you do that, and, I, and maybe Utah is maybe at that point though, you know they're they're looked upon a little bit differently, and so the you have an opportunity to have a stumble early in the season. Maybe we can get away with playing the one double A programs. You know, it costs a lot of money to go to these games, and wouldn't you rather see a a better opponent? A competitive game. Yeah. Would you yes. rather have an Ohio State loss in the manner of which that game was played? Or an or, Idaho State, Weber State, Southern Utah win? Yeah. I would think the other way. Particularly if there's a playoff and you're not really completely penalized. We were discussing earlier why this isn't happening. And I have not read this, but Stuart Mandel wrote this in The Athletic. I did read it. I read it last night. I know where you're going. ACC Commissioner Jim Phillips is still waging a seemingly one-man fight to limit expansion to eight teams, which publicly, he says, is an athlete welfare issue, but privately is an attempt to force Notre Dame's hand to join his conference in Yeah, everybody's got an agenda. And his agenda is, (laughs) we want Notre Dame in our league, because look what it's going to do for our TV rights. (laughs) And they signed a long-term deal into the Uh mid-2030s, and if Notre Dame expands, they can renegotiate the deal. So... It's a double. If Notre Dame joins, yeah. I if get Notre you. Dame joins, yeah. Yeah. There, everyone has an agenda, and if you're unsure what the agenda is, just go to money. Follow the money. Your boy on PTI always says, the answer to your problems is money. Somebody said to that, Kornheiser said to that him years ago, and he says and, that. And Tony's just held on to it? Yeah. The answer to all your problems is money. <laughs> 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 right. And he's a New York dude. Yeah. <laughs> and so he's a New Yorker who went to college in New York and then moved to DC. He's I-95 the whole way. So that's the truth. So yeah, I saw that and I thought, okay, yeah, they're kind of sh- they're trying to basically strong arm Notre Dame into joining cuz that's a major major boon for that conference. Major. I mean, that that's the biggest thing possible is to get Notre Dame. You can have Texas and Oklahoma, fine. But we get Notre Dame? <laughs> We're good to go. Yeah. Make some bulletproof. Right, it's like, we've got Notre Dame. Don't mess with us. Right. They're wildly popular. That whoever they play, they're the biggest of the big. They turns into big ratings, and it doesn't yeah. matter if they're playing San Diego State or Nevada or Toledo or any other G5s that they brought in for early season games. It's still good ratings. BYU in Vegas next October. Yep. Highlighted as one of the like top four games on their schedule. The Irish? Yeah, I saw a whole list of uh, you know big programs uh-huh. playing big games. And when they were looking at Notre Dame, they were looking at four games. And the USC game was in there, and they had some big 10 opponents that were highlighted, too. I think I, the Michigan series has been on and off. I don't know where it stands right now. Is it Ohio State this year? Yeah, it is Ohio State. Ohio State. I think it was Ohio State and Michigan, yeah. but it might have been Michigan State. Yeah. So, of course, that's his agenda, and Klyovkov's agenda is we want in. Oh so yeah. So anything you want, we're there. We'll do it. 
Yeah, they put out a press release yesterday. Anything's better than four. He's he's in on eight. If the ACC can drag everybody to eight, he'll do it. But the G5 leagues won't go to eight because they think they'll get shut out. Well, they are going to get shut out. Well, so then they won't do it. So that Who cares? Just, then we'll that, just divorce them and send you away. They'll wait out the end of the contract and then they'll. Well, do that's it. what they're going to do. Yeah, I, I get that's that. That's what's going to happen. And so what's that? And then, 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 so got four more years. Then the unanimous thing goes away. The contract expires. Yeah, yeah, yeah twenty six. And then it's market forces who has the most power, and they will create the next system. And that means the SEC will have the most power, followed by the Big Ten and whoever their friends are that have. Formed an alliance. Well, unless with them. the Big Ten and the Pac-12 and the Big Twelve and the say screw you, right. SCC. This is what you, the, we're going to do our own, and we're not going to include you. This is what the alliance. So is. you go, you go play your playoff amongst yourselves. Right. You're not included. We'll just do it over here, and you can do whatever you want over there. And then you really won't deliver the rest of the country, and we will because our teams will be playing. And with the ACC and the Pac-12 aligning with the Big Ten. Who's got the? They carry the most weight, but the other two pretty much covers the country. And the Big Twelve can jump on board. When they did that alliance, nobody knew what the Big Twelve was going to look like or if it was going to exist. Right, the timing of it. The timing of it. The, the Oklahoma and Texas were out. The next teams weren't in. Right, right. We didn't know where they were going. Right. But for all you BYU fans out there, if the league holds together and the league produces good, highly ranked teams, then. <laughs> then, then they'll probably be recruited by either well, the SEC will, or the will Alliance. Produce a highly ranked team because somebody will take the place of Oklahoma. Yeah, I would think so. And right now, it looks like Bay- Baylor and Oklahoma State, but Kansas State, Cincinnati, Iowa State, Cincinnati. Not ruling any of those right. teams out. They all got possibilities. The Cougars too. Houston, BYU, both the Cougars. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. More on the playoffs with Tim Brando coming up in about 15 minutes. The transfer portal, it is, it is a story unto itself. There are so many names, and there are some trends emerging. Not what we're used to, but it's the new normal. We'll get to that next. Stay with us. This is Jake Scott and Ben Anderson. It all comes back to that that Pulp Fiction line where he goes, that's just pride talking. If I'm a player in the NBA, screw winning. Put me on a dog, and I'm going to score 30 points a game Correct. and make a half a billion dollars in my career. That is not a bad way to go. It's not a bad way to go for some guys. Let's go. Here, Jake Scott and Ben Anderson every day from 10 to noon on 97.5, 1280 The Zone, powered by kslsports.com. DJ and PK, reminding you, when you go to your next Jazz game, purchase a Ford Fan Zone all-you-can-eat ticket and receive unlimited hot dogs, soda, popcorn, nachos, and ice cream, starting as low as $30 per ticket. Visit utahjazz.com or call 325-2999 to buy your Ford Fan Zone all-you-can-eat tickets now. Okay. All right. I'll be there. Stuff my face with popcorn. Yeah. (laughs) Transfer portal wide open. Yuck, you remember when the transfer portal started and then you would tell us when the guy went in the transfer portal? He still does. And now there's like a million people in sports media, literally a million, two commas, six zeros, trying to steal your gig. It's all right. <laughs> you like the competition? I, I'm an OG. Bring it on. I'm an OG. I, yeah. Oh, he broke the Jackson. I think Jackson called him personally. That's what he's not telling us. Oh, really? A source <laughs> yeah. close to the situation was Jackson himself. <laughs> hey, Jake, um, I'm going to the transfer portal. Yeah. <laughs> he's transfer portal Pete over there. Why should Jackson Dart choose either BYU or Utah? Come on home. 
NIL money will flow. These teams are good. They both finished the year ranked. They both have a chance to be really good next year. Your eligibility will take you into the Big 12 with BYU. Yeah, if you're good enough to leave after three, you'd still get one year in the Big 12. At either school, Dart would be competing for the starting job with a returning starter. However, a returning starter who has been knocked out by injury. Not this year for Cam Rising, but last year. Except for this year it was the Rose Bowl. It was right at the end. Yeah, okay, you're right. That wouldn't probably be enough playing time to satisfy both people. But, yeah, <laughs> but the year before it was the shoulder. Every quarterback is susceptible to injury. Yes. It doesn't Whether it's happened yet or not, right. it can happen. But when it has happened, it seems like the odds are higher. Well, in Jaron Hall's case, he's, he's been knocked out multiple times. Sucks. Yeah. The longest stretch he's had is seven games without an injury. Right. And, and it's not to where you can play with injury, obviously. He's literally sat out. You know, this ain't Robbie Bosco where he's got two meniscus tears and an ACL and a PCL and MCL and still playing. <laughs> <laughs> he went over and he looked at the trainer and said, cut me, Mick. And he went right back in. Do you want to play? Not only do I want to play this decision, it's not even close. And what he do in the greatest heroic moment in the history of sports led BYU to the national championship. Robbie T. Bosco. Got a 1 in 26 chance. And the T stands for trophy. It's 1 in 25 <laughs> because if it were Q, we would know. Q's our guy. He's coaching to the Jazz, to the NBA championship. It's really 1 in 24 because if it was Z, we would know also. Well, and then L&M, they got kicked out for smoking. <laughs> what? <laughs> the stream of consciousness is just something. L&M used to be a cigarette brand. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. I did not know that. Oh, yeah, I guess you guys, you grew up in the faithful, keeping the code. Mine didn't. They smoked. You guys, your parents, you grew up in the faith. You kept the code, so you weren't around. I knew about camel. You weren't around tobacco the way I was. I was not around tobacco the way you were. That's granted, yes. But it, but in my family, it was, it was mix and match. Oh, yeah, yeah. People well, not everybody's never faithful. smoked. I mean, you read and the good who, book, and it says 50% oh, are going to fall smoked. away. <laughs> so, yeah, we, get, we understand that. That's just the way it is. And especially in these latter times, even the faithful are falling away. Look, half eyes, seeth, people. Seeth. <laughs> okay, stop. <laughs> seeth. I thought you'd be into the Jackson Dark conversation, but you're not. I am. <laughs> you're not. I am, too. <laughs> I just, it took me to a place and I went. So the new trend is, <laughs> if there's a coaching change, even if you're a starter, it's 50-50, you're moving on. USC has a coaching change, two guys move on. Washington State has a coaching change. Jane Delora is out, the new You're offensive still... coordinator is bringing his quarterback with him. Yeah. Yeah, okay, I, I, yeah. So this is the new... This is the new deal. You can love it. You can hate you know, it. I, but this is the new deal. Well, it's the new deal for now. You think in five years people will be like, wow, move, changing quarterbacks every year? That didn't work. I, I think it's a little bit of like you get a little money and what do you do? You go buy something. Whether you need it or not, you go buy something, right? Well, what's the point of having the money if you don't spend it? Yeah. Or, you know, the old line, well, 
the, the socks were on sale. Yeah, but I don't need dirty socks. But they're on sale, so you got to buy it. So now it's like all this freedom that it's just now here. So people, yeah, yeah, boom, I'm gone. And I, I wonder if we get 10 years removed, and then you start getting people who went into coaching. You talked to Riley Jensen. He talked about moving, and really was it the best interest for him to be bouncing around a little bit? You know, if he would have stayed Riley at BYU, maybe he would have yeah. had an opportunity. Riley went to snow and played. He did spring football at BYU, didn't get the job, transferred to Utah State, and did get the job. And he's talked about, you know, Upon reflection, so I, I, I wonder going forward down the line if that will change. But that's not the reality now. Clock's ticking, and everybody wants to make it to the NFL, and the NFL doesn't like to draft guys who are sitting on the bench in college. I think the answer of why come to BYU in Utah mm-hmm. because they got everything you need to be successful, except an open starting job. Even better, win the job. That'll make you a better ball player. Ooh, that was deep. Coming up next, Tim Brando, college football playoff. The latest on that, the title game. He's also calling college hoops for Fox Sports. Tim Brando is back next. Stay with us.